I'm so excited because this can all tie in. Because you know, you listened to the episode today? Yeah. It was all about you? Mm-hmm. Well, Pretty much. <laughs> well, kind of, sort of, mostly about you. Queen of the Desert and the experience, and we kind of um, gave our commentary. Tea, Did you approve? I didn't say anything. Oh, yeah. I, I enjoyed it. It was nice. It, you know. Nothing offended you, I said, about you or anything? No. The first thing Mark said when we recorded that, I walked in the door, he's like, was Anya nervous? And I didn't no, want to say, like, I know for a fact yeah. you were, but I know you kind of were when they were announcing the category awards. And I remember I told you I could see your face. Yeah. You were just kind of like, what? <laughs> well, <laughs> I think there's always, there's always going to be nervousness to every competition you do. You but just, I was kind of more like focused and like more concentrating rather than nervous. And then at the end, I was just kind of like, let's just get this shit over with. There's so many fucking things like awards and shit. Mm-hmm. But I was because like what you mentioned, like with... Not like it's not a real pageant, but with other pageants that are really strict about everything. Yes. Most of the times when, when you see the bitches that have all these, they won this, they won that. It's like, oh, okay, they're prepping them because they, usually they killed all won. the categories. Right. You know? It usually means you won. So, I, yeah, I was nervous about that. Um, and just to reiterate, like you pointed out to me, I by no means meant to degrade Queen of the Desert, not being a quote-unquote real pageant. So just for the listeners of some of you that might have been offended or whatever by that um when i say real pageant i just mean i kind of explained to mark like a lot of people just know that from drag race oh she's a yeah. pageant girl so we're talking about miss continental miss gay america C-O-I. miss gay us of a these are the popular real yeah. or even just like miss america's is always that just the right. way that they run the pageant is it's pretty calculated with everything scoring grading and all that stuff so. and the big difference being with queen of the desert which i don't think we went into it's all put on by Desert AIDS Project here mm-hmm. in Palm Springs and it's all for charity just about raising money for the yeah. community and awareness and and you get to raise even some new awareness well the first uh, you know one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to do it because I wanted to do you know represent you know trans community and our trans queens to be there and just you know represent because I talked to um, a few people the heads of, of DAP and you know there's a lot of trans clients now that are coming in getting tested getting more information and that's that's something that's great biggest reason why they do this is because you know and with your experience too with all all the pageantry and everything is that when there's a queen or entertainer that's involved with a charity you know it's just it's just a lot easier for the for the organization to be able to produce like events and shows Mm because if you're not in drag it's kind of like and you have a party and like okay we're raising money it's fine that's all good, but it's it's a lot tougher than having like Jayla for rode- rodeo. We're going to do an event here, and you're going to have girls that are going to donate their time and money to to raise money, and it's a show. So there's like so you're like saying the drag brings more attention to yeah. it naturally, and okay. that's yeah, one that of the biggest sense. reasons. What I learned from from DAP is that that's one of the reasons why they embrace drag, the drag community, because it's a representative ever since Stonewall and everything, you know. It's a representative of our LGBT community. We're right. a representative, and we we actually go out there and fight the fight, and also raise the money in a way where you can kind of be shielded from yourself. Because when you're in drag, I always say it's kind of like a, a character, right? Right. So when you're out there raising money, you're a little bit more vocal. You're not as scared. You're not as intimidated because you're the queen. Right. So I think that's the biggest reason why they decided to do Queen of the Desert. Do you still feel like because it's probably a it's probably for me a bigger difference than you, but do you still feel like Anya day to day living your life as a trans woman 
Is there as big of a difference as Anya on stage competing at Queen of the Desert? I think so because I feel like pageant or competition, it's it's that's the main focus. You know, whether you're a queen, whether you're full queen, whether it's cisgender. Right. I mean, if you're going to compete against a, a pageant or a competition, it's about the competition. Right. So, for me, I mean, me being trans is just who I am on a daily. But even when I do performances and if I do decide to perform, it's it's a different me. Right. There's a show. It's showy. It's like. Even I know what you guys and Mark talked about his the guy who was sitting next to him, which had a lot of freaking um, had a lot of commentary. Commentary. Right. You should have had him come to the fucking podcast and give us notes. <clears throat> like with the whole thirstiness, it's like, first of all, if I was editing, I'm hungry, not thirsty. You know, <laughs> okay. but I get why they're saying that because I I produced something that I thought that was, you know, equivalent to a pageant. So I don't think that it was, it was like thirsty. I just think that it was I was. I was gunning for it. I wanted to win. Well, I mean, that's the biggest difference that I see from my perspective, you being one of my best friends. Yeah. That you were pretty much the same Anya that I know and hang out with all the time, except for the fact that you were so freaking focused. Yeah. Like, you wanted this so bad. Yeah. You were like, what do we need? Let's sell this. Let's go shopping. Let's get this together. Let's do it. That was the... Really, the only difference, because I know you know how to tear up a stage. I've seen you enough do what you do. Well, even my friends are like, "Oh my god, I didn't perform like that." Because I don't ever since I went to Palm Springs, like you were the first show I pretty much did in Hunter. And I've seen you do ballads for the most part. Yeah, well, ballads okay because you kill them. But it's just like I don't ever when I perform. It's not like that. It's not a big focus to me how to to be like a hundred percent. Anyways, I don't know if I said in the beginning, but this is going to be part of our Pride episode, which hopefully we're hoping comes out on time this month since this is kind of um in the United States kind of unofficially Pride Month. We don't mm-hmm. have our Pride here in Palm Springs until November, but June is pretty much the big right. Yeah, California. So, anyways, what's, what leads us to the next segment that I wanted to see if you could give me like a coming out experience in celebration of it being Pride Month. Yeah, that pretty much came out twice. <laughs> I was gonna say, like I was asking you. So, so quickly, I can say, you know, in the beginning, I, I, you know, I didn't have that hard of a struggle with my identity as far as being gay when I first came out, because I was so close to my parents and they were more strict on school. Which was how old? How old were you? I want to mean like when I came out. Yeah. My parents. Oh, this was like, I was older. I was like eighteen. Okay. This after my mom passed away. Eighteen or nineteen. Okay. I sat. I, I took all my family, my, my closest cousins and um, my closest aunts. I went to their house, sat them on the sofa, and then just told them, you know, this is who I am. This isn't before drag. It was just, you know, I came out. And, and we had like the GSA in high school, and my best friend was gay, and I was just like, I just didn't. It wasn't comfortable for me still. Even if my right. best friend was gay and there was a GSA, it, I was just wasn't ready. You know, I feel like, you know, to me. Hiding that part of myself wasn't as, as bad because there were so many things that I was focused on with my family, like religion and and, wow. and work and school. So and they already accepted me for who I am as far as like me being a little weird. <laughs> so I didn't really have a, a reason to come out, you know. And it wasn't I wasn't struggling on it. But when I did it, it was hard because half of my family said, "Oh, we already knew," like what everybody says, and then half of my family would be like. Oh, was it because of my dad was like, oh, was it because of me? And I just joked around, yeah, pretty much. I mean, if, you, <laughs> if you look at it as a, as a um, biological thing, then yeah, you pretty much get it from your dad. And your Filipino <laughs> culture that yeah. didn't have anything to do with it, really? What's weird is that, you know, the gay community in the Philippines, or growing up, started out as m- most comedians were gay. So it was more of like, not a joke, but it was made fun, kind of made fun of. Okay. You know, like it was the comedian. A lot of comedians were gay. There's a lot of trans women there too, but it wasn't something where, because for me, it's like I I'm not a joke. I've never been right. a joke. So it's like it was a serious thing when I came with my dad. He was like, it was my fault. Blah, gotcha. Blah. So it's the same kind of thing that everybody says. I said no. My sister was like, I've always wanted a gay friend. Now I have a gay brother. So <laughs> that was. I mean, it it was a lot easier coming out as gay than than trans. Okay. You know, because then I started after I came out. I started doing drag, and then that's when I realized. You know that I did this for myself. It wasn't really for the money or fame or whatever, or like notoriety. It was like I felt really good about representing a female persona, and then I had friends. It's kind of like uh, peppermint. There's some trans people that that know this when they're little and they hide it. Peppermint and, from Drag Race. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then there's some that kind of they kind of realize it through the, through being in drag or through hanging out with a certain kind of community. 
and then that's when I came out again but that the second time was kind of a little scary because I had a YouTube channel and I, I did it in the YouTube channel oh wow and my sister kind of got pissed off was like you could have at least called me instead of having it launch in your fucking YouTube channel wow <laughs> um, and then so but when you were 18 yeah and coming out to your dad or your cousins or whatever you really didn't think about Anya existing no. as, a, as a woman no okay I okay. actually thought like being and I'm mean, comfortable saying that but I thought the trans was kind of weird when I first came out, because I, I was okay. only for me, it was only gay, lesbian, right, bi, straight, whatever. And then it's a kind of ignorance that you tend to learn. And then when I started performing in drag, and I started seeing, because I performed in like trans shows too as a drag queen, I was like, I'm not a drag queen, I'm not a trans woman, I'm I'm a freaking drag queen, you know? <laughs> right. Um. And then I just started seeing that, that this is a possibility in life, and this is a kind of something that you can be. So yeah, I didn't really know that I was going to be trans until after I started doing drag. Gotcha. But when I came out, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, like, it was hard a little bit. My, my mom was already passed away, and she's my best friend. So it was it's kind of like it wasn't as hard. How old were you when she passed away? I was like 16. 16. 16 or 17, and then I came out after, right afterwards. Do you think she? Oh, she would have been Would be surprised? Would be yeah. like, oh, my God. No, not she at all. I think she would like to because my mom always worried about when I grew up and I'd marry a woman that she wouldn't be the number one woman anymore. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I think that if I reiterated to her, like, okay, well, you're not going to have to worry about me marrying what? women. Wow. You know? Just Tiffany. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Part-time. Part-time yeah. woman. Um, I love it. But yeah, so I came out. After, all through high school. Was all... But I was such a... I was like a nerd. I was like... I never really hung out with people I, I built computers when I was like 16 I played video games so it's like it really never came up with my family like oh is she gay you know what I'm saying so let's just so I just want to reiterate this for like a timeline so mm -hmm. when this all goes together so if you kind of sat down with your dad and some cousins or whatever 18 mm -hmm. what year was that jeez I don't know 18 I'm so horrible with math I'm 36 right now so that's 18 years ago. So 18 years ago, yeah. yeah. 2019 yeah. minus 18, 18, about 2001. Yeah. So 18 years ago, yeah. About 2001. Okay. There you go. Wow. But so see, growing up, I realized growing up, even when I was a kid, like even in third grade, I knew that I was attracted to, to guys. But then I, I didn't connect that as being trans. I connected it as being gay. Right. So that's why it was already confusing. And I grew up, it's like, oh, I'm just have, you know, maybe I'm bi or whatever this is like stuff. Like, so I never connected because I never knew about what trans was. Right. And then when I look back at it, it's like, it's not that I was, even how I was acting, I always acted like a woman. It wasn't like gay, like, you know, a gay boy was like attracted to the same sex as a, as a woman. And the crazy part is because I'm almost exactly 10 years older than you. Yeah. So mine was going on in 1991. Yeah. And that's what this is what we're gonna show in a lot of these different ages and their stories. Yeah, mine was a lot different. Like, did you have you don't have GSA, right? Did you have a no, no gay straight life? No, to the no. Yeah, <laughs> nothing like that. Ten years before. Yeah. yeah. And I was bullied and tormented and like I hated school because yeah. of all that. And yours really seems like kind of like it wasn't that. I honestly, it I love my generation to you, huh? because it was before the millennials. I think it's called the Zen uh, something being like X. X generation, generation X, X gen. Yes. So we kind of were, we kind of were a little spoiled, but then we still had to work hard for it. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. There wasn't as much entitlement. Right. But for you guys, the generation before, ten years apart, it's like there that was, was tough. No, there was nobody in high school when I was that came yeah. out. It just wasn't even a thing. Yeah, we had we had. <laughs> I would go to ATM up clubs and stuff that were right. like gay nights at a straight bar in San Francisco. That's how I started going out. Right. You know, and there, there was actually outlets for us to go there. Before, it was like you'd have to, like, be on the down low and, like, hide. And, I mean, there was no grinder. There was no nothing. Or when I was 18, I would be so... Scared? Scandalous to go oh. drive by the one gay bar yeah. out. And I peek and I look. And, and you like, have curi see me. curiosity, oh but then also scared. Like, there's no way I could have went in. Yeah. Hell no. I just wanted now to, like, just, drive by. Now you're just because you stop in all those fucking bars. Like, hi, and children. And I was like, damn. <laughs> Hello, kids. <laughs> I'm jelly motherfucking fox. How are you? <laughs> um, oh my god! Wow. But we do. Oh, the um, Palm Springs High School doesn't want want us to do, to produce a drag show, and I want you to be part of that. So that can awesome. be another topic too during Pride. 
So we can really serve the children. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Hashtag real children serving the children. Kill our pumps You just won't get any drink tickets or alcohol. We have. We'll have a juice soda. Sprite zero. <laughs> okay, Anya, it was so nice to have you on the show today. We'll look forward to future pop-ups by yes. Anya, Miss Queen of the Desert, 2019-2020. I'm just going to warn you guys now, she's addicted <laughs> to the rhinestone crowns. <laughs> I, you know what? By the end of the year, First of all, there's, Swarovski, there's Swarovski. I researched it, <laughs> and I'm getting another one that's from the same company because I found it because I'm a crazy bitch like that. I think everybody gets, uh, uh, you know, lives for themselves the one they get the crown because you earned it. Let's take a break for a commercial right now. This episode is brought to you by Pyromedia Network. Pyromedia Network is a progressive moving platform to give a voice to those who feel don't have one. PMN's core mission is to provide a safe and positive creative space for creatives to flourish to their highest potential. For more information, please visit www.pyromedianetwork.com. Oh. All right, so we're going to do the round robin, so to speak, of coming out stories for this episode. So, Miss Carrington, would you like to start? You know, it's really strange because when I was a young boy, probably seven or eight years old, I knew because there was twin brothers that I went to school with, and I was there was something about them that I was just like drawn to them. Did you know what gay was? or you just, I had no drawn? idea what gay was. Yeah. Okay. But I knew there was something about them that I was just like enamored with. Were they older than you? No, we're the same age. Same age. <laughs> same age. And then when I got older, <laughs> I learned about sexual feelings. How old? And I was 14, 15 years old. Um, had sex with a boy up the street, and then, oh, honey, you have no idea. <laughs> there were three brothers that lived across the street, oh my God. 14, 15, and 17. There was a boy next door that was 15. I was 16 at the time. I did all of them. <laughs> at the same time? On Thursday nights, the three boys across the street, their parents could go bowling, and they would call me and go, Bill, come over. Oh, now were they gay or they just... No, they're straight, they and they're straight now. Them. Oh, okay. They're straight now. Still They've got them? kids and grandkids. No. Okay. No. But you're now... But the boy that lived next door that turned out being my first boyfriend, he's friends with them still. Oh, wow. And I did talk to him probably about two years ago. But um, I was quite the little trap. Now, do you consider this a coming out story? I mean, I, I'm just wondering. That's when I was exploring right. who I was. Yeah, I understand that. And I had my first relationship with the boy next door. Right, and you did, was it like on this down low or what? Yes. Yeah, when did yes. you officially let everybody know that you were a big hormone? I told my mom when I was 20, I was 20 years old, and she begged me not to tell my father. Interesting. Yeah, my dad was a Bible thumper, and she asked me, please, please, please do not tell your father. Did your mother know? Yes, I told her. No, no did your she, mother know? She said that she kind of suspected. Most moms do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Panties probably gave it up. And what helped me her brother was gay, oh. and he and his partner had a ranch in Texas, so that helped me a lot. So, your your mother's brother was was gay. Yes, you had a gun call. A gun call. How did your father feel about that, or are we keeping a secret from him too? No, he that knew one. about that, and he did not approve of it at all. Yeah. But he was always very nice to them face to face. But like it's his place to approve of anything. Exactly. Like yeah. Did your father ever find out? No, he never did. My father passed away with Alzheimer's. And that was one of the reasons that my mom did not want me to say anything to him because of his religious beliefs. I see. And he wasn't all there. Right. So. Well, actually, look, I'm going to follow. I'm, I'm going to do mine because mine is, is 
same time period. Kind of like yours. You guys I was I was attracted to guys and had no nineteen oh two. What was it like to live around the dinosaurs? Well, let me tell you, yeah. <laughs> they were big. <laughs> Just the way you like rags, and that's fine. But I, I had these feelings too. Like I'd said in the other podcast, is that I had no idea what gay was. I thought I was sick, and I was the only person in the whole wide world who felt like that. And little did I know that on the other side of the country, Harvey Milk and his people were fighting for, for me, and I didn't even know who I was. But the, and so I, after a while, I felt, you know, because in the last podcast I talked about um, my first sexual encounter, but I was only out to certain friends. I lived a, a dual lifestyle. Yes. For my family, and then when I was with my friends, then I was out. So when I got into my relationship with my ex, Jerry, and that was at 32, I figured maybe it's time for me to come out to my parents because none of my family or their friends or family friends knew. So I called my mother and I said, I'd like to take you to lunch. And she goes, what for? And I go, I'd just like to take you to lunch so we can talk. She goes, well, tell me now. And I said, why don't we wait until we go to lunch? Because she's just as nosy and paranoid as I am, so I would have done the same thing. And I said, why don't we, she goes, You're, are you gay? <laughs> and I said, I said, yes, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. And what's interesting is, is because I asked them later, I said, did you have any idea? No, we had no idea. Well, then why would you ask me if I'm gay on the telephone? I mean, is that the first Ooh. thing that popped into your head? So, and like um, Vince just said, the mother always knows. So my mother says, okay, let me tell your father, but we won't tell your grandmother. So I said, <laughs> I said okay, that's fine. So come to find out, my mother told my father. My father had a little bit of an issue with it, and he went to his best friend, who's a doctor, the next day, and he told him, and his friend said, do you love him any less than you did yesterday before you knew? And my father said, of course not. And his friend said, then what's your problem? Exactly. <laughs> and then they had no issue with it at all. But then my mother, with her big mouth, decided to tell my grandmother and my grandmother goes, I knew it all along. I was just waiting for someone to say it. <laughs> <laughs> so they came over um, a few days later. You know, I think they just wanted to come over to see if maybe I'd grown horns since, you know, I told them I was gay. But we never talked about the gay thing or anything. They just came over and everything was normal like it was. And mm -hmm. ever since then, my parents have been extremely supportive. My brother, on the other hand, was not. My brother, my brother actually told my father that he should have a problem with me being gay. And my father goes, why is that? He goes, well, because you were in the military. <laughs> like, what difference does that make? Exactly. Yeah. Well, yes. that will lead into mine, how I got in, in the military and came out gay. So. Didn't I see on Facebook the other day that you were married and have a child? Yes. Yeah. Was that before or after you were in the military? A military first, then marriage. Okay. So, I was 18 during the Vietnam War. Just got out of high school. Was going to be a beautician. Imagine that. Ooh. Look at my wigs. And my makeup. So, um... You don't have to talk so about I got a letter that said, Welcome, you have now been drafted. And I said, Oh, you were drafted. Oh. Yes. And I said, Oh, hell no. What about those bone spurs? <laughs> I'm not a wench. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I f kind of freaked out. But it, before that, I was playing around with the neighbor boys, two of them. And we were doing our thing. So I thought, Wait a minute. Something. I, I heard about this. People going to the draft place and saying, I'm gay or, or queer or whatever you want to use the word at the time. So I went and I said, I'm queer. Not to know that FBI came to all my friends, uh, to my dad, to, to my it. mom, oh my and outed me. Major. 
Wow. To my neighbors, to my friends, to my, I said my brother, my sister, everybody who knew me. The FBI went to see if I was lying. They had to investigate. They had to investigate. Oh, I didn't realize they were going to do that. It yeah, no, I did not know. It and wasn't wow. against the law at that time, right? But we were all in the DSM as a mental illness at that time. They were going to put me in the tank yeah. or in prison for for being gay or accusing myself of being gay. Right. And. Um, Lo and behold, I went into the service. I always knew I had eyes behind me. They would tell the other guys about me. And a lot of the guys, when I was in Korea or Fort Knox, Kentucky, I had my playtime, if you will. So after I say, okay, this was a good experience because, hello, you know. Did you, tell, did you tell them you were gay when you went into the, before you went into the military to get out of going into the military? Did I tell them? You tried to. And I, that's what I'm saying. But yes. They, but they let you in. They let me in because they didn't gay. believe me oh, after they, they did their homework. Oh, I see. Okay. And, wow. uh, and, I mean, these poor kids that I knew, my friends, best friends, their parents found out. And it was, it was very, very bad. And... Um, one of them I didn't see. One I still talk to. He's in Oregon, and we still talk. And then I said I went into the army and did my thing. Then I got married, and I still knew I had some stuff going on with being gay. And I got married because the Catholic and the Italians, you just did that. And my dad knew, and he just didn't even talk about me being gay. And then I got married, and my dad warned my wife that I was gay. But she didn't believe it. <coughs> but the one who believed it was my wife's brother, who was gay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh See, we're God. everywhere. And people Maybe just didn't want to realize it. And, my, and after we got married and da-da-da, I hooked up with my brother-in-law <laughs> and my brother-in-law's husband. Huh? <laughs> you were a bigger tramp than Erica Carrington. Uh, September Carrington. Oh, I doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> so hey, I'm, not, I'm taking the tiara right now. It's my turn. So anyway... And then all this was going on, and then um, my son grew up. My son grew up and had boys, friends, friends, and they would have sleepovers. And I started proceeding to mess with the boys. Uh-oh. Yeah, because they would knock on my door when I was getting a divorce. Finally, I got a divorce, and I said they would come to. Daddy Vince, will you teach us how to be gay? Oh my God! <laughs> oh my God! Sure, come on in. <laughs> What was the age range? Wow. At the time, oh my God, they were they were seventeen, eighteen, uh-huh. and I was in my thirtyish. Okay. Yeah. So. Oh, you uh, thank you. And uh, <laughs> I've always loved my young boys, and I still do. And now we get it. <laughs> now you understand. <laughs> and now Why? everybody will get it once this podcast. <laughs> and, and, it's okay. I mean, you know, I, I, sometimes I worry that someone's going to come knocking on my door, and say you pedophile. You know, or somebody's going to accuse me of, but I think that's all past, but I, yes. I am glad who I am, and I'm happy who I am. So, Good. that's my story. And if you um, want us to cut that part out, we can. No. No. Any, any of you guys. No. Like, oh, I might not want to say that. No. Just so you guys know, I was married not. also. Um, you were? Mm-hmm. Did you have any children? No. She knew I was gay when we got married. We went to high school together, and I was going through a bad breakup. And she's like, "I can change you." Oh, she could only see you now. She she has friends on Facebook. But it's interesting all the different stories that everybody has. Yes, almost similar, but they're different. Yes, but they're right, and one leads into the other. Right, right. I wanted to find out from you. When did you finally announce to the world that you're gay? I announced basically when I got a divorce from my wife. Uh-huh. Now here's another story you're not going to believe, but it's the truth. My friends, cer- certain friends in my circle and certain friend, uh, family members say I should write a book because nobody will believe. Once I dead, when I'm dead, I will. You know, but anyway, have that in common with it. Well, so I'm, I'm in the process of writing a book now because so many people say I can't believe all the things that you've that you've gone through, and I just write them down and 
hopefully somebody stumbles on them and puts them into a boat. So I, when I was getting a divorce from my wife, Ooh. I moved in with my cousin Vince and his wife Kathy. Well, I always had the hots for my cousin Vince. <laughs> yeah, I did. Is he the one with Ryan as the son? Yeah. Oh, Ryan's yeah. hot. Yes, yes. You saw that today. So, <laughs> to make a long story short, we, so we got into the cocaine time. So we were in the cocaine. And Kathy, Vince, and I would do cocaine. And once you did cocaine, your ambitions go crazy. Well, I was still sexual. I don't say I was gay. I'm sexual. So I would have sex with Kathy. But she wouldn't allow me to have sex with Vince. Well, <laughs> hello, it's me. I'm gonna. Did have Vince want to have sex with you? He thought gayness was terrible, and I was gonna outgrow it. Oh, okay. Forgive a few. But in the meantime, as long as you are, let's let's have sex together. Let's right? have sex together until you grow out of it. Okay. Until I grow out of it. So I was having sex with both of them. Yeah, that was pretty hot for me. So. Uh, Unfortunately, he died of an overdose. But anyway, when we were in Arizona, my husband and I, Chadwick, went down to visit them. And we were at the back of their little gay house where we stayed at a gay place. And he came to Chad and said, Hey, is it okay if Coogee gives me a blowjob? <laughs> oh, wait, this is, oh, no. Hope his kids won't hear it. <laughs> but uh, so they he said, Yeah, so I would entertain. Her and him. And till this day, now, Vince passed away. She is in a lesbian relationship. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So you turned her lesbian. I turned her lesbian, yeah. But she still, we still talk on the phone. She's in Arizona. And she says, you know, I'm still, I still miss your finger. So, yeah, I was pretty sexual and pretty active. So, in the meantime, when you asked me the question was, when did I come out? Is when I got a divorce, I just, once again, the fan, and I'm a big Italian family. They did not hassle me. They loved me. When I had our wedding with me and Chad, there was 500 people there. Nobody talked crap about it. Mm -hmm. However, I had one cousin before me. He paved the way. They they ridiculed him. And we still talk, him, Sam and I still talk to this day. He's <laughs> up in the Bay Area. And he goes, how come you got it? so easy and I got like I was a queer I was a I was a sickness I said I don't know it's just the what way do you it, think that is was, were you older I think you? it was because who I am yeah because I'm more outgoing right. and I don't give a damn about what people think right probably and Sam was a little bit more he was more manipulative yeah manipulative. he had a, a real strong mother and a real strong grandmother yeah. who were pretty you know you know, they they concealed him where I didn't let my I told my dad and and my, and my mom and my dad was as Italian and as Catholic as he was he was very proud to walk down the aisle when Chad and I got married mm, and, and I wish my dad would be here for Vince but yeah. things change but you know yeah it was I'm pretty proud of him even though he was pretty you know. And I keep saying, "Yeah, Dad, you were out having an affair on Mom, so what's the difference? So don't even go, don't even try to judge me." There's, you know? dirty, there's dirty laundry. Yeah, don't even judge me, baby. Right. Right. <laughs> so who wants to go next? I never did come out. My grandmother outed me when I was between eight and ten, right in the middle of a family thing that I was going to make somebody a wonderful wife someday. Who said that? My grandmother. To you. <laughs> With, with people with, around? With the whole family around. Yeah. yeah. Oh. And they all whacked her off like, ha, 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 ha. And I didn't know what the hell she was talking about. Yeah. How old were you? Know. Well, somewhere between 8 and 10. Okay. Yeah. That was a mean thing to say. Well, well actually, it was it was done in a fun way because okay. I, I forget the circumstances, but I was hoping to... Oh, I see. So, but I think she knew anyway. But I didn't come out until after... I was in the army, got married, had two kids, and a second wife. So I didn't come out to my family anyway. My first wife knew, you know. Why you were married? Uh -huh. Okay. Oh yeah, before we got married, actually. Did you ever have children? We had two. Okay. Uh, a boy and a girl. They're in their thirties now. Somewhere upper in the thirties. <laughs> uh, That's interesting. I, 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 I 
I, I've talked with um, several, especially in Palm Springs, not necessarily gay, but um, transgender, <laughs> and they have children, and their children don't. The majority of them don't have anything to do with them. Are are your children okay? Mine. Well, I, I never had it. No, but Vince did, and you did. Um, they were, but they found the Jehovah's Witness religion and oh. decided I no longer fit into their little oh. bubble of beliefs. Oh, okay. And so they just kind of wrote me off, and I haven't heard from them in 30 years. Wow, that's yeah. sad. Fair well, not 30 years, uh, 20 years. Mm -hmm. Do you know where but, they are now? Well, yeah, I know where they are. I mean, for a lot of years, I kept in touch with my ex-wife. Her girlfriend and her boyfriend, uh, and uh, they kept me abreast. They both made it through school. One through went to law school. One became a, a doctor, which is great, you know. But uh, we decided that that was the type of religion and the way they wanted to go with their lives. Yeah. You know, I don't want them telling me which direction to take in my life. Yeah. So so your second wife knew that you were gay as well. Yes, but she wanted children, but unfortunately she couldn't have them, and so that was a short-lived marriage. <laughs> but she was, it's funny because she was uh, Hispanic, you know, from Mexico, but she wouldn't try and have children unless we were married, even though she just wanted to get married to have a child. Wow. All because of her parents, you know. They didn't want to, she wow. didn't want them to know why she was getting married. No. So when you got married, did you have to stifle your whole sexual attraction to the same sex? Or was it more of an open type it, thing? Well, it was open verbally. Neither of us acted on anything while we were married. I mean, obviously I was in the army. I had to be careful. There was none of this don't ask, don't tell stuff, you know. And uh, being in the 82nd Orbborn, you know, you don't want to tell anybody you're gay yeah. because you'd be lucky to make it home. <laughs> right. So, but I did once I got home. I, I came out to my family and they're like, duh. You know, oh, yeah. They figured it out easy enough. And then it was just everybody else yeah. in the world just knew yeah. and found out about it as you. Yeah, yeah, when I first started doing drag, I thought I was just having fun. I didn't realize it was a big old girl. Yeah. Well, <laughs> she used to do the military. Yeah. All at once. Gregory, were you a <clears throat> I had my moments. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure we all have. Uh -huh. know, but of course. Yeah. yeah. So um, that's your story. Huh? Yeah, it's short and sweet. Yeah. Who wants to go next? We have two people left. Just wonder. Unless Miss Kitty wants to share her coming out story. Kitty, So Jayla can tell her story. Mine's kind of boring, but it's more like um, it's more closer to yours. Who? When people say say yeah, when people say what's your coming out story, I was like I never really did. I really never did. Um, Gee, the worst of my stories, which is funny because none of you guys share this stuff, well, so far, like you guys. But mine being younger, my whole life is just torment. From the time I started school to the time I was done with school. Torment, bullying, horrible, 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 horrible. Well, but I think we can all talk about the bullying, right? We, you were never bullied? I was never bullied. I was, I was never bullied. Oh, oh yeah, lots yeah. of bullying. I was never bullied. See, oh, it's I, kind of 50-50 oh, across was, the board. I was bullied mercil mercilessly. Uh-huh. <laughs> because of your swish? Or because... I just, you know... No, I he, no, actually, he just mentioned that the other day. I um, I was told for the longest time I walked like a geisha girl. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. What, what, I was, what, I was no. 98 pounds, I was a sissy boy, but see, I didn't know what gay was or anything, but people would torment me by putting pens in my seat and, you know, ink getting on me and stuff until I learned. I, 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 I cut the energy off by not getting upset about it. I'd laugh along with them. And then when I'd laugh along with them, then they'd stop bullying me because they weren't getting their energy in what they needed in tormenting mm -hmm. me. But it took me the longest time to figure that out. But See, yeah, I used to try that and it didn't work. I just ignore it and I just ah, ha, ha, it, it didn't work for me. That just made it worse. They continued to come after you. That just made it worse. But why were they bullying you? Because they thought I you was were gay just a or? sissy. I was just a sissy, and, mm -hmm. and some of them know now. 
because of so Facebook. What, how old were you when you did come out? Here's what happened. So when I got, when I was 19, my first boyfriend, my mother snooped. I was reading my diary. Oh. <laughs> but anyway, so she ripped the pages out. To this day, I still have the stack of old notebooks that were diaries. And I have the one from that year, and those pages are just missing out of that. So whatever, my mother's apologized for that since, but she kicked me out of the house. Oh, wow. My father and I were never close. But as I'm packing up my stuff in the garage and gonna borrow Dad's band, he's like, you know, I told your mother, you're 19 years old, you're you're old enough to make your own choices and who you want to be with or who you want to live with or you know whatever. And um, this is my house too. You don't have to leave if you don't want to. But at that point, my mother was the religious Bible thumper. Oh my gosh, not in my house. My son can't be a homosexual, you know, but um, I left anyway, so it was probably the best for me to do. And about six months later, I moved back home because I enrolled in school. So my father put his foot down and said, if, he's, if my son is in school, he's going to have a place to live, da 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 And then, um, like a six months of school, and I left town an hour away. Got to Bowling Green State University, and I went, the first thing I did is, let me go to the theater department. And just, it was like magic. Kapoof! Oh, you're gay. Hey, girl. And it was just like, and I was like, what in you the world? A, you found a home. And I just found it that quick. I didn't even like, I guess I kind of subconsciously knew. Mm -hmm. I was in theater enough all through school that that was kind of like a gay thing. You could find a safe place. You could find a safe place and friends. And and then um, probably a year later, Jayla was born. And then the rest is just um, herstory. <laughs> <laughs> So besides the bullying, whatever, my coming out is weird because I never really, it was a more big of a deal for me to come out to my mother as Jayla, because she lost her mind. Her, she just turn? didn't understand, and I'm like, do you want to be a woman? Are you gonna, this? I was like, mom, no, it's just like, just since I was 10 and I've been in theater, it's just like that. I'm just on stage and I'm playing a part, and then she finally was like, oh. What turned her around? Because now she's very supportive. And the very fact that she gave up on that organized religion crap. She lost <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> she what? She lost Jesus. <laughs> yeah, she'll tell you, thank God I lost him. No, I understand the concept of giving up on that organized religion and just sort of saying, I'm going to take control of my life and be the best possible person mm -hmm. I can be. That's why I found the karma dynamic. You know, you give to the universe, and the universe gives gives back to you. And I think it was kind of... I truly believe that, too. I do, too. Which, it happens, everything happens, and it's, they all have reasons. It was never going to change. And when she finally, after 15 or almost 20 years of not giving up on her husband, she was like, no, screw this. i got to live the rest of my life and divorce him and move down south and 12 hours away, and the rest was, you know... So she got rid of Jesus, then she got rid of your father, <laughs> and then she moved away. Okay. And then our relationship just that's wonderful. blossomed from that. So I say that's great to have support. Don't give up on your spouse, but there's got you better decide when enough is enough. And she you did. gotta have enough brains for yourself mm -hmm. to You know, I've never been huge on organized religion, but I have to say growing up, my grandmother was a Catholic. My grandfather was a Jehovah's Witness. And they made it work for 55 wow. years. Yeah. But he wasn't that judgmental over me. So, I, you know, I don't know why that was. Because he could be very judgmental toward other things, you know. I mean, just horrible, just like most. And I wonder nowadays are, if that could even happen, a Catholic and a Jehovah Witness. But I don't think nowadays in 2019 you'd find that. He was very Probably kind to not. me, knowing that I was. Or that we'd get along. Yeah, yeah. Going, going your own way. Well, my my mother, it, I was raised Catholic, and my mother still is Catholic, and she goes to church. And you know, my ex Jerry, I would go to church with my mother, and he would say, "Why are you going in there? They don't like us." And I go, "Well, you know what? I don't particularly like them either, but I'm going to church to pray." This is when I, you know, was living in Lake Merritt and, <coughs> and trying to make the Catholic thing fit as a gay man because I was trying to find a religion that would quote-unquote accept me and that's what turned me off to the whole organized religion I found I don't need that I just don't want someone to feel like they can control me yeah but guilt. what's that yeah guilt from the Catholic Church no not at all not anymore, no. No, I no I never had any guilt from the Catholic Church 
But my mother goes to church, and, and when I would go with her like on midnight mass or something, I'd say, Mother, you know they don't like me. And she goes, I don't listen to half the things that they say. I just go into the church to talk to my God, and whatever else they're saying, it's going in one ear and out the other. So, you know, I can respect that. She just likes to pray in the church, and that's okay. It works. But she's going there for her. She's going there for herself, yeah. yeah. Not to please anybody else. You're right. Mm -hmm. So right. last but not least, what's your story? And don't tell me it's boring. No, well, <laughs> I know I'll jazz I'm only sure a little bit. It's, it's a very, uh, it's a very sordid, dark tale. <laughs> very sordid. But I was raised a fundamentalist Christian. Seventh-day Adventist. And my dad worked for the church as a school principal of Adventist schools. And they were very, very religious. Only my parents had a very, really bad relationship. My mother is like borderline personality disorder. Oh. And so we lived with this, these two things. I mean, she would be, she could on a flip of a switch and be sweet and kind to people. And then we walk in the door home and she would just, I mean, be an absolute evil monster. And she took all this rage out of my dad. Um, and I got caught in the middle of it as the oldest child. So anyhow, I grew up in all that kind of stuff. Got teased a lot, um, especially in high school, um, about being a fag. So you were a sissy boy too? Oh yeah. Okay. And so these, you know, in this Christian high school, just, it was, you know, unmerciful. It was really, really yeah. difficult. Yeah. So, in fact, there are still still certain guys I can remember their names very well, and I'm just kind of like, you know, um, just, yeah, they made my life hell. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but being, I didn't really know any gay people back then, and I didn't, couldn't put a finger on anything, like, what is it? I remember thinking, why is it if I go to the mall, and I'm sitting in the center of the mall, people watching, I'm watching all the men and I'm not interested in the women at all. <laughs> and it was like, you know, so I got married because you're supposed to. Um, had two kids. Um, Were you in the military at all? No, no, I was, I, I spent 20 years in, in Adventist education. Um, worked overseas in Singapore and Indonesia as a quote unquote missionary, but principal teacher of schools traveled a lot uh, and then uh, when I've been in college I have a, I only have one sibling younger brother and he is uh, he's also gay he came out six years ahead of me but when we were in college we uh, were roommates and we'd messed around a few times and uh, when I was 42 he outed me to my to his wife when he came out and uh, outed me to his wife, who then outed me to my wife. And then just a series of things happened, domino effect, and everything fell apart. So at 40, it was more about 44, because 42 we split. When I was 42, we split. And um, so I did some real intense therapy. I had this great European therapist what was the therapy for? To pray the gay away or something? No, just to process a lot of my crap because I had so much, you know, I it was like, is it is it the dysfunctional family, the dysfunctional religion? What is it, you know? And I came to the point I needed to throw all of it away and be true to me. But I'll never forget the, the day that I finally admitted to myself and said, I can do this. My therapist and I had a long session and he said, Let's just sit down, and if you were to come out and say, this is who I am, and I'm not saying you should or you shouldn't, what do you own as a person? So whatever decision you make, you're gonna be okay because this is who you are. And so we came up with this list of like eight things that were incredible, and we got all through, he said, so whatever you decide, you're gonna be fine, because you're strong, you're intelligent, you're educated, You've got what it takes. You can't afford to be you and be true to you, and you're gonna you're gonna survive and thrive. And I decided, you know, that day, 
yeah, this is who I am. And when I came out to people that I knew, I mean, I had a number of people, because in the religious world, who just pretty much turned their back on me. But I had a number of people that, you know, embraced me. And I guess one of the most fun things is that there is absolutely nothing in my life today that is remotely similar to my life before I came out. Right. Nothing. And that's a good thing. And I don't miss that. And I look back and I go, that was a different me, a different world. Um, but you you created your own new world. I did, on yeah. Your own, and that's and I had to go through my gay adolescence and be a total slut and had so much fun and still do. Um, Doesn't that seem like the common thread? We were all sluts at one time. Well, it's like having a new toy. Yeah. There's. Yeah, a, right. Have you read the book by Joe Court, uh, Ten Smart Things Gay Men Can Do to Improve Their Lives? No. Fascinating. <laughs> but he talks about going through your gay adolescence because he said if you reach your adolescence while you're while you're living the straight life you never had a gay adolescence you went through an adolescence that wasn't really you and he said and you need to process and go through that but I did like the one thing he said but don't stay stuck there like so many gay guys do you need to move on and the final one was commit to a life partner and build a life and so basically what Craig we just got done saying hit the nail on the head it's like a new toy we have been denied yeah. any kind of toys for for the longest time and then all of a sudden we are just like kids in a candy yeah. store yeah what I found interesting when um, I came out to my family meaning my brother and sister-in-law and then my niece and nephew were born and my biggest fear based on the way that my brother and his homophobia was um, is that I thought he was going to keep me from seeing the kids. Mm-hmm. And I lived with that fear for the longest time. And that's one thing I can admire my brother about is he never made any kind of remark or anything that I would never be able to see my niece and my nephew. And so my niece and my nephew grew up with a gunkle. And, awesome. you know, and they learned about it as, you know, as and now they're 21 and... 24 um, years old and no problem at all. Well, my youngest son, he went to the University of Washington and uh, he ended up meeting a number of guys that who had gay dads and they became friends and kind of shared and mm-hmm. so he he's just, he's an incredibly evolved, brilliant mm-hmm. guy and he has no problem with it, you know. Yeah. His, his whole thing has always been I wish for your son out when you were so much younger. He said, because your life would have been so much richer and fuller. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, like I tell him, I said, you know, I really appreciate it. But I'm still here. Yeah. If I had to come out when I was 21, knowing me, I wouldn't be here today. Yeah, yeah. I hear what <laughs> so, you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, everything in its time. But it was a, uh, it was a painful journey. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because, you know what, I, I think about it occasionally. Would I ever want to go back and do all this stuff again? Oh, hell no. And I think, no, no. I, I don't, don't think I could. No. I don't I, think I could. I would. Yeah. yeah, Vince, you would. Have well, that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Would. yeah. I, I, go through my okay, because, lessons again. Because I missed a lot. Vince kind of ground me. I talked the talk more than I walked the walk, yeah. let's say. I had a feeling that was true. But, you know, here, because right. before, before, no, before anything I touched ideas. But we we grow up. You know what, I I tell this to anybody who will listen. You have to put the toys away eventually. Yeah, but don't get stuck in that. And so you just, you have your your playtime and then you move on. And some some people are not able to do that. And it's one one big, you know, play date every day. Or some don't even want to. No. Hey, but don't. Let me tell you, so the boys are still around. I still would play. Yeah, of you course. Know, you know, we I'm have no doubt. I have a question for you because <laughs> for me. Yeah, for you. When you were not okay, when you were out and about in the city, right, or wherever you were, did you lean to to bad boys or pre- preppies or daddies or where did you lean to? You know what's interesting? I wasn't old enough to be a daddy then, and the daddies at that point, and probably we all can remember, is that the older men were trolls, and nobody wanted anything to do with them. 
and as opposed to now, are the daddies and everybody wants to, you know, the younger guys want to have the There are some daddy. trolls. Yeah. Well, yeah, of course there are. But for the most part, um, daddies are looked on as something positive. But back in my day, I always ended up with somebody in the military. I ended up for bad boys. So uh -huh. We've about, talked about that. Uh, from prison or on the street. And that's another story that uh -huh. I got in a lot of trouble because I got a felon, a gun, and he went and robbed a jewelry store, K Jewelers, and the gun came back to me. Um. And then he went to prison. And he started writing me, if you don't do this and you don't do that, he was telling him, sending the money, he was going to do all kinds of stuff to my right. family and stuff. I, I, I can honestly tell you, living in Hillcrest, um, I sort of did walk a fine line of doing things that I think to myself now, wow, I really put myself out there to be in a lot of trouble based on the things that I did. I, I did those things, but I was a different person back then. I was... See, because it's kind of like I came into my own, I was that 98-pound weakling or whatever, and then all of a sudden I discovered the gym, and the gym allowed me to, you know, work on my body and things like that, and then all of a sudden it was just kind of like I didn't have those toys to play around with for the longest time, and now I'm going to. <coughs> but I was also a very self-absorbed individual because it was all about me, and I hurt a lot of people. And if I could go back and apologize to them, I would. But that was just the type of person I was. I'm not like that anymore. Oh, yeah. yeah. Excuse me? Not so much. My whole coming out. When I came out in the first 10 years, I lived around Capitol Hill in Seattle. So right in the heart of the gay community. And, and it was marvelous. Yeah. You know? yeah. But it was, it was wild and crazy. So these are whole, this is a whole different part of this coming out story that you guys are getting into, because now I feel... That's a whole different part. I'm not boring, but you know what I find? You guys all say, shut up. I don't... Cause, no, it's not an age thing. We were sluts. Because until, <laughs> until I was 19 years old, I was with one person. And then for seven, it was another one. And then I had about one year of, ooh, I have toys to play with, and now I'm back to where I'm just like... Why is that? Well, but you know what, what is the, that about me? One of the distinct. There's nothing wrong with that. Either. No, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but I kind of feel like not deprived, not even that jealous, but just kind of like I don't know what. I really think there was something wrong with me. No. When I was that age, that you, what did I do different that people didn't? You know uh, what I mean? I think the big distinction is you're talking to um, four men of a certain age. Well, that's what I'm asking. Before the early '80s. And so, you could include Erica in that exactly, as well. Exactly. So we had a lot to play around with because we didn't worry about things that people should be worried about now. No, I, I, when I actually, officially, I came out of us like about 2000, 2001. Uh -huh. so, so no, there were a lot of things I should have been worried about, but mm -hmm. I didn't worry exactly. about it. I and I hear what you're saying, Mark, but the difference is... When I was 22 and coming into drag, I was not interested in doing all this bookstore and go to the... But everybody else was that was my age. Yeah. I don't know. The 4th Avenue Bounds. Mm-hmm. Well, see, that was my home away from home. Because like I said before, when I was She's living the double life, this was the only place that I could go and be gay and be myself. I couldn't do that one because I lived like two streets down, so I went to Dave's way out. Uh, yeah, Ocean's. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I went there as well, too. I, I went to Steamworks for the first time last time I was in Seattle. I thought it was a half ago. I, I always went to Columbus. And it scared the shit out of me. I don't know. It just scared the shit out of me. See, that was my, like, <laughs> my, that was my favorite once a week thing, going to Steamworks. Never, Ooh, it know. does have to do with Where generation. was Steamworks? In Berkeley. Oh, okay. But it's thing, still there, isn't it? It's still there. And the thing is, Left. is because <coughs> my husband was paused and I was, I'm negative, he, his sexual drive was because of meds and all this stuff. Right. He, and he did not want to give me or, you know, we could be, we could be safe. My sexual drive then was off the chart. Right. So I would go there a lot. Now that he's passed and everything, and Vince is negative and I'm negative, everybody I'm with, I'm thinking in my head, you're positive. Because I know down here, uh, it's pretty right, rampant. Right. You're right. And nobody's going to tell you they are or aren't. But in my head, you know, I'm old. I mean, I don't want to get it, but if I get it, if I don't want to give it to Vince, 
he's still young, you know, and he he's all about safe sex and he's all about you know getting the cure. So I'm sure they're not going to go out and you know. But see, <laughs> but see I but I think these days it it, it really isn't about going out and contracting HIV. Because with Truvada PrEP, a lot of the people are on that. And when, if you are HIV positive and you're undetectable, then you can't transmit it to somebody else. My big observation is, is that a lot of the people around here are taking PrEP and they're thinking, I don't need to use condoms. I don't need to use anything else. And there are so many other STDs. I mean, it costs 20 something thousand dollars to get rid of hepatitis C which is running rampant around here. There's a um, antibiotic resistant gonorrhea. Do you want to live the rest of your life with that? And their only excuse is, well, I go in and I get tested every three months to make sure, well, what if you get an STD? Well, then I just get treated for it and I go right back out there again. Right. And that is so irresponsible. Even to not foolproof. None of it's foolproof. No, no, exactly. And, uh, you know, and here again, where Vince is, Busting his ass on the A drive, raising money, as well as other 3,000 writers. And these kids nowadays just are doing what they want to do and not worried about right. the, you know, what could, ha- could happen. The consequences on or the, or, or they are Or they are paused and they're out sharing the love. Right. Well. But see, again, it is a generational thing because if you've got the young ones who never even had to even consider what it was like to live through the 80s, the 90s, and into the 2000, um, early 2000s. They don't know any of that stuff. Let's just pop a pill and go out there and do what we want to mm-hmm. do. And they're not taking the time to find out what all is out there. But, but you know what, what, I'm, what I'm discovering too, being on Facebook, it doesn't seem to be always the younger generation. There are the older generation oh, who are absolutely doing They want to relive their glory days. and. I don't understand the concept. I have a friend Selfishness. who, <laughs> who <laughs> wanted to be HIV positive. He wanted to. All his friends were dying at the time, and then he finally contracted. Weren't here. those called bug eaters? Yeah, it's something like chasers. chasers or something. Oh, it's a thing uh, now. Yeah, it is? Yeah. Okay. And, um, I mean, he's healthy as an ox, so to speak, but he has it. You know, but he wanted to die because all his friends were dying. Yeah, yeah. Well, and psychologically speaking, I can understand that. The time of HIV-AIDS was like returning from a war. We became very hypervigilant, very hypersensitive. We were seeing people dropping like flies all around us. We were terrified that something was going to happen to us. And so we developed a certain type of PTSD, the scars and the burden of um, survivor's guilt. Why did I live and they all died? Well, I still go through it. What's that? I still go through it. Mm-hmm. I was diagnosed between two of my marriages. They're not sure when I contracted mm-hmm. it, but obviously before I went in the Army. The Army still was going to keep me, but then when I signed a, a waiver so I could see outside doctors, I didn't realize I was signing a thing to process me out later, no. you know. Oh. It was sticky, but... Uh, uh, I lost track of what I was thinking about saying. You were talking about the survivor's guilt. Oh, yeah. No, it's definitely there. Because we all sat there and we held people's hands because no one else would right. while they died. Right. And you wonder why all these beautiful people, kind, loving people, die when cranky old drag queen me is still going. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. That's why when he does that, Shirley Bassey, I'm still here. Right. It really gets to me. Right. <laughs> right. I think we all sort of have our our um, theme song, right? Yeah. Based on, you know, that's where, I mean, I, I adore Donna Summer, and I re- wish that she were alive. I was thinking about it the other day. If you had the opportunity to meet Madonna or Cher, those are the first two, which one would you want to meet? And then I thought to myself, I don't want to meet either one. I'd really want to meet Donna Summer, but I can't. So I'd rather meet Bette Midler because Bette Midler was there around the same time as well. Why would you want to meet Donna Summer? Donna Summer is my anthem singer. I I lived my life through the beginning of Donna Summer all the way until the end of Donna Summer. And that is what gave me 
the Even though she turned her back on us. She didn't turn her back on us. That was a myth. That was a myth? Yes. It was debunked. She never turned her back on us. I like See, to, I like to read that. Cause I'll find it for you. That was that was one of the things that did her in. But it was not a true thing that she did. She never said something like that. When, when you say that, I'm talking about she went religious against the gay. I don't know what she said, but you're saying. Oh, well, I'm talking about a religious against gay. No, the, <laughs> the rumor started that she said something about HIV/AIDS is. Um, God's punishment or something like that, I which, which she general. never said. That actually but, came out of her mouth. No, it never came out of her mouth. But Donna Summer has always been religious. She's always grown up in the spiritual singing environment. So by her going religion, she never went religion. She just went back to her roots. And she didn't turn her back on anybody. She just decided, okay, this is my time, and I'm going to go back to my roots. And she did. But then she came out with that one song, I Will Go With You, isn't that it? That's not her song, Mom. Well, no, I know, but she sang she it. She sang it. But then, and then she it. came back again and she put out Crayons, which is one of the best albums of her life. And it took her back to her disco roots. So if you've never listened to the album Crayons, do it. it. Oh, do it. I've never heard that I, I, And see, I wish some drag queens would listen to it Stop and do something. Yeah, yeah that's one of them, yeah. Stomp. You've heard that song. I have. Is that from that album? Yeah. Oh, okay. But there are even better ones on there. Hmm. The Queen is Back. That would be one that I think... That'd be fun. Yeah, you should listen to it. The Queen is Back. That's yeah, it. do it. What's that? Do it, Jay. Do it. Well, I put these things out on Facebook saying, I love this song, hint, hint. Or I've even been so blatant. No, well, usually you light, direct so. it toward one person. The only Donna do. Summer, I know he's not his favorite. Oh, really? If I do Last Dance, it's like, I don't even like yeah. that song. Like, I'll see <laughs> put a song out there saying, MacArthur Park. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. 20, yeah. 20 yeah. minute song. And it's like, girl, why don't you do it? Well, I was thinking about it, but she tries to play it. Well, yeah. Well, this is fine. Well, you We're put it out. We can record this. Well, mean, you put it out. Rob will have a fit if you don't, because he doesn't like the song. Yeah, I know for sure. Who gives a shit? All right, we're going to sign off. Tune in for Beauty and the Shrink. Talk to you later. Bye.